Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. John chapter 20 will be our foundational verse as we continue in our series of messages titled The Miracles of Jesus. So at our south side today, at west side today, be sure to lean in and take notes. John chapter 20, turn with me in your Bibles there if you are ready, I will begin to read John chapter 20, beginning in verse 30. It will be on the screen. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe. Why are they written? That you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So why did we record the miracles of Jesus in the scripture? It is for your belief and so that you could have life and life to the fullest. I don't know what you came in here doubting God for today, but my desire at all of our locations that your belief for God to do the impossible would increase, that your belief in a miracle working God would increase, that if you came in here desperate in need of an act of God, that he would accomplish it and your faith in him would be increased. I know you didn't plan for life to be this way this week, but we serve a miracle working God. I know you walked in here with some impossibility, but we serve a God who can orchestrate what looks like impossible to become possible in Jesus' name. I believe that we serve a God of the the miraculous and that when we read the miracles of Jesus, which we are going to in Matthew chapter eight, our hearts will be stirred and our belief for him to do great things will be increased. Let's pray, Father, We submit to your word today. Increase our belief. Increase our understanding that you are the son of God and that we could have life and life to the full. We thank you because the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains the same. I thank you because some people have walked in with impossibility on their mind, but we renew our mind to believe you for the impossible. You are a God of miracles. You are more than able. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen Amen. and amen. I've been uh, on airplanes quite often recently, and when you go on airplanes, you realize that in order for the plane to leave the terminal, what's required is a long list of announcements. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane before, but before they can even depart from the gate, they have to cover a long list of protocol. If the if the cabin loses pressure, then this mask will fall from the ceiling. And if uh, we land over water, then the this is where the slides are that come out of the side exits and your flotation device is underneath your seat or there's no smoking no vaping you can't even plug in your vape pen to charge in the outlet in the plane there are so many rules and regulations they have to tell us now uh, i don't know if you've been on a plane lately but they have to tell us now that if you're wearing a mask due to health reasons before you put on the oxygen mask you have to take the other mask off i mean they they really make sure that we're covered 
with all common sense knowledge because we seem to be leaking common sense uh, in our culture today. So they have to remind us that if we're wearing a mask, to take the mask off first before putting the other mask on. I, I don't know about you, but it seems like they are prepared for anything, although everything is calm. They're prepared for any scenario, although everything is calm. When Even when the plane is not moving, they are prepared for everything. Can I get this center camera a little bit tighter? Just whenever I look at it, I'd love for them to put it on me if that's okay. They're prepared for anything. They're prepared for anything, although everything is calm. They're prepared for landing in a cornfield. They're prepared for landing over water. They're pre prepared for your lithium battery pack to spontaneously combust. And if that happens, then you will do this and you will do that. They're prepared for you to do whatever it needs to be done. Although the likelihood of crashing is low, their preparation for everything is high. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want a church that is prepared for anything. Even when everything is calm, I want us to understand that when there is a need for something, that we would be prepared for anything. I want you to be prepared for when the storms of life come your way. And it is better to be prepared on the calm waters of the sea than anxiously or frantically waiting for the uh, storm and then getting prepared. I don't know about you, but my, my grandparents, they were prepared for Y2K. Does anybody remember Y2K? <laughs> Bringing back some memories. Some 1999 nostalgia. When your clocks turn over, everything's going to blow up. I remember walking into my grandparents' basement and I saw cans. Infinite, an infinite number of cans. Cans that would uh, last a lifetime. Water that would last a lifetime. My grandfather would fill up Coke bottles, two liter Coke bottles with water and seal it and write the date on it. Why? Because... We didn't know what was going to happen, but we were prepared if anything was going to happen. And I don't know if you were prepared when she walked out on you. I don't know if you were prepared to have to pray for your children who have left the faith abruptly. I don't know if you've been prepared like you need to be prepared for some of the storms of life. But what I've realized is that Jesus, through his word, equips us on how to be prepared for every storm. And we're going to look at a narrative of scripture where Jesus calms the storm. But I'm going to give you some context first in Matthew chapter 8 and verses 1 says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Large crowds followed Jesus. Jesus was never led by the crowd. He was always followed by the crowd. May you be more like Jesus this morning and not go with the flow of culture, not just uh, swim mediocrity up uh, downstream, but may you stand your ground and say, I'm not going to go where the crowd goes. I'm going to go where the spirit goes. You'll never find Jesus being led by the crowd. You'll find Jesus being led by the spirit. It's, I wrote this in my notes. Jesus was never led by the crowd. He was always led by the spirit. For those of you that are up against some cultural uh, standards that are being pushed against you, you need to remember what I wrote in my notes here. Don't be led by them. Be led 
by him. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back of the movie theater. Don't be led by them. Be led by him. In Matthew chapter 8, it's, he goes on a miracle healing a healing spree. He is having a night of miracles. He is walking around and he looks at someone with leprosy, which is a skin disease where your skin begins to melt off the bone because it has no more nerve endings. And, and, and he, he, he heals a per person with leprosy. It was highly contagious and highly looked down upon to approach someone with leprosy. They were discarded and they were outcasts. But how many of you know that Jesus doesn't care about what the culture deems unclean? Jesus can use the discarded, the disgraced, the sick, and the diseased, and he will approach them and heal them. It's interesting because in the Old Testament, if you touch a leper, you become unclean. But under Jesus, you touch a leper and they become clean. I came to preach to somebody today. You feel discounted, overlooked, untouchable. Let me tell you right now, when Jesus is in the room, it changes everything. Rejection becomes acceptance in the presence of God. He's on a healing spree. Then he heals the centurion's servant. Then he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Peter has a mother-in-law, and Jesus heals him. So the one miracle was like, Jesus, you don't have to do that one. Peter was like, hey, man, you can skip that one. It's okay. We love her, but she, she's fine. She'll be all right. Peter was like, no, really, really, it's fine. And he heals her anyway. He frees those who are demon-possessed. I mean, this chapter is packed full of miracles. And those who have a front row seat to the miraculous are the disciples that are following Jesus. So it's like summer camp for the disciples. Bam, 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 bam. Be healed, be healed, be set free, be healed. They are, on the, they are seeing it with their own eyes, the miraculous. And then watch what happens in Matthew 8, 23. As they gain popularity, as they gain clout, Matthew 8, 23 then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. They're at a point of fame. They're at a point of popularity. Uh, the, the snowball effect for the miracles of Jesus is in full swing and crowds are following Jesus. But Jesus decides, no matter how easy it is for me to accept this fame, I need to be with my father in private. No matter how many subscribers or comments or retweets, no matter how many accolades or degrees, no matter how good things are going for you, never neglect the presence of the Father. Never neglect to leave the influence of the crowd and the popularity of your success to get intimate with God. I have found it so common for preachers to elevate their ministry to such a degree that they forget to get into the bottom of a boat. They forget to get into their prayer closet. They forget to fast. They forget to pray. They forget to seek the face of God. And then they wonder why their influence begins to crumble, while their ministries begin to cease. It's because they stop getting in the bottom of the boat. The disciples could have stayed back and taken selfies with everyone that wanted a picture. The disciples could have signed autographs with everyone that wanted their autograph. But instead, they got into the boat with Jesus. So here's a question we have to start with today is are you following Jesus? Or are you following the results that come from the miraculous? 
Are you following the one who does the miracle or are you following just the miraculous? Are you serving the supernatural or are you serving the savior? Wow. See, they, they followed him. No press, no one noticing, no likes, no comments, no subscribers. They said, although we have done works in public, we must get with our father in private. See, this is a great picture of the American church. We are obsessed with large gatherings and campuses and, and, and haze machines and big screens and skinny jeans. But have we gotten into the bottom of the boat in the presence of Jesus lately? Despite how good things are going here at this church, I guarantee you for as long as I am the pastor and as long as I live, I am committed and devoted to the presence of our almighty God. In the ancient world, the priests used to turn their back while teaching the church, and they used to teach upward to the back of the temple. You know why they would do that? Because their first ministry was not to the people that were behind them, but instead to the God that was above them. And so as I preach today, although I will turn my face towards you, just know that this message and my life has first been surrendered to the presence of God. Are you following Jesus? Because following Jesus means even when the crowd is large, you might have to go to the boat. You might have to leave the crowd. Mark 4.36 confirms this when it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Hold that thought. In the boat, there were also other boats with him. See, you need to accept Jesus for just as he is. Stop trying to fit him in the rules you're trying to justify, in your unrepentant sin that you're trying to justify, but instead receive Jesus just as he is, and he will actually allow you to be conformed to his mold instead of you trying to get him to confirm to conform to yours. I've heard people really emphasize this phrase just as he was because it's an odd phrase, but it points not only to following Jesus, but to accepting who he is and the rules that he has established and the lifestyle that he's called you to live. I don't follow the Jesus that I designed. I follow the I follow Jesus in the way he's designed. See, he doesn't get in our boat. We get in his boat. <laughs> uh, he doesn't. He doesn't come into to our, our lives for us to for him to fit our mold, but instead we fit his mold. See, salvation happens when we put our faith in Christ. This is in my notes. But true discipleship happens when we choose to follow Christ. See, some of you are saved, but you have not been discipled. You might get into heaven, but you'll smell like hell when you get there. Because you haven't you've been saved by grace, but you haven't decided to follow Jesus. A day in your life. So you skirted the law by the grace of God, but you haven't grown in the knowledge of God, which comes through discipleship. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but this life here on earth is way more than the gift of salvation. There is also a process of sanctification, a process of discipleship. And if you just want to be saved and stay in the crowd, I want to let you know that there's more in store than what you bargained for. Jesus is in inviting you to the boat he's inviting you to an intimate relationship with him he's inviting you to be discipled 
The late Tim Keller says it so clearly. He says discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. The late Billy Graham says to be a disciple is to be committed to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and committed into following him every day. To be a disciple is also to be disciplined in our bodies, minds, and souls. You can't be saved and live the same way. You must get into the boat and not be with the crowd. One more dead guy quote. I only quote dead people because they can't go woke on their theology. I only quote dead people because they can't come out with a new idea that I don't agree with, you know. It's safe, you know. D-O-G, dead old guys. That's all, that's all I quote because they can't change their mind in the grave, you know. C.S. Lewis said, until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Some of you are saved but not discipled, and you wonder why your life feels shallow. You wonder why you're just drinking milk from the plate of the dinner table of the Lord. Some of you, 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 you haven't been discipled because you come to church only once every six weeks. And when you come, you roll in 10 minutes late, and you leave 10 minutes early. And you wonder why you're not growing in your faith. You haven't signed up to serve. You haven't signed up to be in a group. You haven't given God back a single dollar from the increase that he's given you and you wonder it's because you're stuck in the crowd witnessing the miraculous instead of being in the boat where you're going to experience the miraculous now remember they've just witnessed a, a whole chapter full of miracles and then we get to verse 24 and watch what happens suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat next next line but Jesus was sleeping. The word suddenly means a lot here. If you know anything about geography in the Sea of Galilee, it is a, is a, a relatively calm body of water, but it lies 700 feet below sea level. And because it's 700 feet below sea level from the mountains, things can begin to suddenly shift in the atmosphere. I don't know if you've lived life long enough to have a moment where things suddenly shift in the atmosphere, where you go from happy-go-lucky to being T-boned by the car that comes alongside of you, where you're just having a good old time with your family, and all of a sudden you get the call that your relative is no longer going to make it. I don't know if you have ever lived life enough to know that suddenly things can change. You need to know that, that the devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes things change suddenly. It reminds me of life. Don't get too comfortable because things can change suddenly. Don't get too used to it because things can change suddenly. There are three kinds of people in the room today at all of our locations. There are people in a storm right now. There are those who just got out of one. And there, there are those who are headed to one that don't even have any idea about it. Because things change suddenly. I'll never forget when our second child was born, Joel was born, our, our first son, our only son. We were excited, celebratory. This was pre-COVID, so you could bring everyone you wanted into the, opera, into the delivery room. Cousins, aunties, uncles, anyone you want, come on in. It's like our fourth location was the delivery room. You know? And I grew up in church, really Christian. I was in church uh, nine months before I was born. And so uh, we believe that 
it's God's mandate on our life to be fruitful and multiply. We believe that God, God's purpose for marriage is for you to not only seek after one another, but sometimes the, the result of a healthy marriage is to be fruitful and multiply yes, or to take care of those that God brings into your family, not just uh, biologically, but sometimes through adoption. And, yes. and, and I remember we were stoked. We were excited. I mean, we had oil, anointing oil. My mom was there. She's super Pentecostal. I don't know how you grew up. We prayed in tongues over our McDonald's. As if it was going to make a difference. That quarter pounder with cheese ain't getting no healthier no matter how many tongues you talk in. But that's what, that's what we believe. So she's putting oil on every monitor, oil on every cord, every cable, every device. Every nurse that walked in was blessed and highly favored. We put blood over the doorpost of the delivery room. We just want, we just trying our, I mean, they were shouting in tongues, crying in tongues. I mean, we had a little Bluetooth speaker. We were playing Carrie Job. If you don't know who Carrie Job is, she got the voice of an angel. And we were playing the, uh, the blessing, you know, and your children, and your children, may us fail be upon you in a thousand generations and your families and your children. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We were going after it. My mother-in-law was there. My, my mom was there. And I'm taking selfies and live streaming and excited. You know, we're just hyped. We're having a kid. Let's go. And, you know, it gets intense praying prayers and the time is coming it's it's sooner than ever and we're about to have our son and my mom is praying prayers out of context using verses out of context she's like ashton may you be like the hebrew women that had children so quickly pharaoh couldn't kill them i was like there's no pharaoh she's not a hebrew this is weird and, you know, the doctor comes in at the last three minutes because, you know, the one that gets paid the most seems to work the least. and comes. I'm just kidding. My best friend's a doctor. I shouldn't say that. Praise God. He worked hard for that degree. And, and, and he comes in, and, and, you know, it's the final moments, and we're about to have our son, and everybody's praying. Everybody's shouting. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's worshiping. Oil is everywhere. Carrie Joe in the background. Mom in tongues. Mother-in-law in tongues. I'm taking selfies. And he goes, shut up. The doctor says, shut up. I can't hear the baby's heartbeat. How many of you know that suddenly what was an atmosphere of worship and celebration became an atmosphere of intercession and desperation? And for the next seven days, he was in the neonatal intensive care unit as his face was blue from a lack of oxygen and bruised and his lungs were, were, were not developed fully. But to God be the glory, he's a young, healthy, strong young man now. But, but in the moment, you don't know. In the moment, you don't know. Jesus better be in your boat when the storms come up. Because Christians aren't exempt from storms. They're just exempt from storms that have no purpose. Everything you're going through right now is making you stronger for the next time. Everything you're currently experiencing is making you stronger for the next thing. See, there are some things I didn't learn in the concordance of my Bible. There are some things I didn't learn in the Matthew Henry commentary. There are some things I can't learn in the comfort of my desk. There are some things that only I can learn in the storm, in the trial, 
in the wake of the storm. There are some things in life that God will only teach you when the wind and the waves are crashing. Some things in life you can't learn through knowledge. You have to learn through experience. Everything I know about God that matters did not happen in a study room. It happened in a storm. Everything I learned about God came at a crisis, not when things were going good. Everything I know about God that matters, I learned in the valley and not on the mountaintop. I don't know where you came from today, but I want to let you know God will use the storms of this life to equip you and strengthen you to believe him for greater things. Mm. See, you're not sinking. You're getting stronger. Even... Even James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. <laughs> See, the reason you're being tested is because God knows you can be trusted. The storm might not even be your fault. <laughs> the storm might not even be a result of your sin. The storm simply might be God strengthening the muscles of your faith that are going to be needed for a future season down the line. I don't know what storm you're in. God has not allowed it to kill you. He's allowed it to strengthen you. Verse 24, suddenly a furious storm came on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. We serve a God who can rest in the middle of chaos. We serve a God that no matter what the world tries to tell us around us, he hasn't even scooted to the front of the, of the throne room to see if he might be nervous. He's still fully seated asleep on the bottom of the boat and seated high at the right hand of the Father and nothing has made him nervous. Mm. This is what I wrote in my notes. Most simple note you're going to take today. Freak out only if Jesus is freaking out. Some of you are freaking out and Jesus isn't freaking out. Some of you don't have peace, but Jesus is at peace. Right. It's like, I don't know if you ever had like a friend group versus a friend group. Maybe it was like a, some sort of battle. And you had a guy on your team that could just destroy the other people. They would just crush them. <laughs> so you talk smack. You start talking smack to the other group. We're going to kill you. We're going to crush you. We're going to beat you down. You don't, know, you don't know nothing. And you keep looking up at the big guy in your group to confirm and affirm that they can handle business if things pop off. Because you'll have, you, you don't have the strength to do it on your own, but as long as they're in it, you're in it. <laughs> See, God is almighty and all-powerful, and no matter what you are up against, if you lock eyes with Jesus and he's asleep and he's at peace and he is good, you need to understand that you can overcome any storm in your life, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the one who has your back. He's at peace. Peace I leave with you is what Jesus said in John 14. My peace I give you. Oh, there's no medication that could give you that peace. There's, no, there's no, 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 no study, no class that can give you that peace. I do not give you as the world gives. Do, I, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, here's the deal. You need to know that you can either be at peace or you can panic, but you can't be both. The disciples in verse 25 say, you know, the disciples went and woke him and saying, 
Lord, save us. Notice how quick and precise prayers get when you're in a moment of desperation. Oh, he didn't call for eloquent intercession. They didn't start in the Old Testament and go all the way through the Lord's Prayer. It was three words, precise, they all, that some of us need to pray today because we are in a storm and we just need to say, Lord, save us. The worst part is, is they use the confidence of their Savior, but yet their perception is still natural or fleshly, but because we are going to drown. Can you please put that verse right back up, the one that was just up there? We're going to drown. Lord, save us. That is a faith-based proclamation, yet it's the other side of the coin is fleshly. We're going to drown. Some of you, you have fake faith. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You need to have the faith that says, Lord, save us, period. Full stop. End of story. I know you were faithful then. I know you'll be faithful now, and I know that you'll be faithful tomorrow. It's a sign of spiritual maturity because spiritual maturity can be measured by how quickly one moves from panic to peace. Spiritual maturity. You watch someone who's lived life long enough. They're, they're gone through a lot of life. They would say that their life is like city miles and not highway miles. Like they've gone through a lot. They can move from panic to peace very quickly. Mm. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Psalm 42, 5 says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. They prayed, and you got to remember who was on the boat. Jesus was on the boat. we got to have faith. we got to have faith. See, faith is the ability to expect a miracle even in the middle of a mess. Faith is not saying we're going to drown. Faith is saying, Lord, save us. I know you've done it before, and I know you'll do it again. And then he replies, Jesus replies, ye, or in this translation, I grew up with the ye translation, but he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. I don't think he was condemning them. I think he was rebuking the winds and the waves. I, I think Jesus understood that he needed to display his power once again to show them that he was in control. It's interesting because faith is, a, is an interesting thing. You don't need a lot of faith. You only need a little. As the keyboard player returns, the miraculous does not require an abundance of faith. It just needs to have a little of, a bit of faith. It says in Matthew 17, 20, truly I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Yeah. Not it might, not it may, it will move. It will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Well, pastor, you just don't understand my situation. You just don't understand my context. You don't know how I was brought up. You don't know the generational curses that I'm under. I do not know the specifics of your story, but I bring to you the authority of the word of God that says when you have a little bit of faith, you can command mountains to move and what looks impossible will become possible. See, little faith is where we start, but little faith isn't where we should stay. Little faith is where we start, but little faith isn't where we should stay. I'm getting a bit stronger. I'm getting a bit, 
a bit better in my belief that God can do the impossible. I didn't always believe God could rescue my children. I didn't always believe that my marriage would, would end in, in, in joy that's overflowing. I didn't always believe that I'd have the job of my dreams or I'd find my purpose and calling, but my faith is getting stronger. It didn't start with a lot, but my faith is getting stronger. And the story ends with a little huddle, a little meeting after the miracle, a little debrief about what they had just seen. Verse 27, they debriefed, and it says, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What's interesting is that they had just witnessed a full chapter of various miracles. They had seen demoniacs set free, a skin grow back, become clean again. They had seen God do the impossible. They had still seen him work the miraculous. And you would think that they would have expected him to just do what he had always been doing the entire chapter. Yet just because he did the supernatural they never lost their awe of the miraculous. Don't get used to it today. Don't get used to the miraculous in your life. Don't, don't get accustomed to it. Continue to seek the mysteries and miracles of God and watch what he will do. It says they were in awe of him. Some of you have been coming to church so long you've lost your sensitivity to the spirit. Some of you have been reading the Bible so long it no longer convicts or pierces to the bone, splitting your heart, piercing your heart. Some of you have been in church so long you forgot what it feels like to be in the presence of an almighty God. And my prayer is that you wouldn't get so accustomed to the miraculous that you wouldn't lose your all in the presence of an almighty God. They're eating dinner one time. The disciples and a woman comes in with a very valuable piece of perfume. And their first response, because they were so used to it, was trying to analyze and calculate how much it cost. Y'all know the story? She has a per bottle of perfume. She pours it on the feet of Jesus and begins to worship him. And the first thought of those who were closest to Jesus was, I wonder how much all this costs. Some of you walk in here and you think, I wonder how much those screens cost. I wonder how much he makes. I wonder what kind of car he drives. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why, I wonder why they, they always ask me money for this building. And you start to analyze the miraculous and you miss the moment of the miraculous. I'm preaching today. Never lose your all. Never lose your all that the wind and the waves obey him. With every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our locations, you are going through a storm right now. And I want to tell you right now, the wind and the waves obey him. He is at rest. You can have the same peace that Jesus has. If you are going through a season, I'm not going to call you to the front this morning, but I do want you to recognize that you are in the storm at all of our locations so that I can pray over you. Would you just shoot your hand up real quick so I can pray over you? There's hands all over the place. There's hands everywhere at all of our locations hands raised. May the God of all peace, may the God of all peace cause the storms to calm in Jesus' name. 
If everyone who is having trouble conceiving a child in Jesus' name, everyone who's having financial difficulty in Jesus' name, everyone who's having marital struggles in Jesus' name, everyone at the sound of my voice with physical disease, ailments, uh, and mental health in Jesus' name, may the storm be calmed and may peace rush in. I pray for anyone suffering with a spirit of panic that it would be replaced with the spirit of peace that we would be reminded and recognize that Jesus is sleeping on the bottom of the boat. And if Jesus isn't freaked out, then we will not be freaked out. I pray that we would leave church today with our head held high, knowing that the righteous have never been forsaken and that the descendants of Abraham have never been caught begging for bread. And that though the winds and the waves are crashing around us, we got the God who calms the storm within us. Make us stronger today. Make us stronger. Build our faith. Build our faith right now. Build our faith for the impossible. Build our faith for the impossible. Build our faith for you to heal our parents from the diseases. Build our faith for you to restore our marriages. Build our faith for you to draw our children back into the presence of God. Build our faith to believe you for the miraculous. If you are in our boat, oh God, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Maybe you came in here today and you've never recognized Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You would genuinely say you've never uttered the words lord save me if your faith is not in jesus today you have to start small and i think you're in the right room today at all of our locations to recognize and receive the gift of salvation i'm going to be very quick but i'm going to count to three in just a moment and if you say that is me that needs salvation i'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed and as our experienced hosts are prepared I'm going to ask that you would shoot your hand up in just a minute. And you say, I need Jesus. I don't know if he's in my boat. I don't, know if he, I don't even know if I have him in my boat today. If you need the peace that comes from Jesus, but you've never acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask that you would start today by faith, by raising your hand at all of our locations. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up right now. You need Jesus. You need Jesus right here. Right here, keep your hand up at all of our locations. Can someone bring him a card right here? Anyone else, shoot your hand up. It's not too late. Join with all of heaven and say, I am in need of a savior. Thank God for the harvest, plundering hell, populating heaven right now. Raise your hand if that's you today. If you have not received a white card in your hand, keep your hand up at all of our locations. Keep your hand up, shoot it up. Now is the time. Don't miss your moment. Keep your hand up. Now, for the sake of those who just raised their hand, we're all going to pray this prayer together at all of our locations. Say, Father God, I need you. Save me from my sins. I repent and I believe that you are the Son of God. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for those who just made that decision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
If you just raised your hand and received one of those white cards, we believe that you had to make that decision for yourself, but you don't have to follow Jesus by yourself. I would encourage you to go to our prayer area at all of our locations. I would encourage you to scan the QR code on the back of that white card that was handed to you. I've put together five simple videos that just walk you through your next steps. It's a way of, of, of me kind of journeying through, through your first week as a new believer. It doesn't stop after your first week. Now you have a lifelong commitment to what we talked about, which is discipleship. And we're really glad that you made that decision today. Let's clap our hands one more time for all those who made that decision. Amen. You guys don't have the vantage point that I have, but there were hands up everywhere. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.